This program is a part of the Full Press Radio Network. Find this and all of Full Press Coverage's shows on fullpressradio.com or free on the Full Press Coverage app, available now on the Apple and Google Play stores. Hey, this is John Lynch, 49ers GM and Pro Football Hall of Famer, and you're listening to Ira and Clark on the iTest 4-2. You know, I had to laugh last week when our guest, who was Hall of Fame finalist Bryant Young, he was the finalist for the class of 2022, he grew up in the Chicago area, and he said that that intro took him back to Michael Jordan and the Bulls in the 1990s. Now, I know Ian may not be old enough to remember, eh, he probably is, but Ari, you certainly do. No question about it, and uh, whatever music, uh, whatever feeling it gave you, Jordan topped it with... Um, you know, Clark, night in and night out, he he never he never failed to give his all. I, I think that's the greatness of Michael Jordan. He, he he had it in his mind that there's some people out there in the crowd that had never seen him play before, and I think that was a driving force. And um, I don't remember the guy ever really having a bad night. I just yeah, don't. I don't either. And it's funny, you know, I covered the ACC his freshman year. I was covering the University of Maryland, so I covered the ACC. Rare moment. I would go down to North Carolina. I said, well, I mean, I'm, I'm looking for maybe Perkins or uh, Worthy. And, and the AD said, I'll, I'll tell you what, they're they're busy. I'll give you uh, we got a freshman here, Michael Jordan. You can talk to him. So I went in there and talked to Michael Jordan, who was really not a big name at that point. Later, of course, became one. But I covered some of those Bulls games from the playoffs in Chicago, Chicago Stadium. And they turn out the lights when they played that. And it was powerful. It really was. Um, anyway, I'll tell you something else that was pretty powerful, and that was the annual Pro Football Hall of Fame meeting that Ira and I were part of. It's the Board of Selectors meeting, and it was Tuesday, and it was the second time it was virtual. We had it virtual last year as well because of the pandemic, and it did last seven and a half hours, which sounds like a long time, but Ira, you know, it was an hour and a half shorter than it was a year ago. It was nearly nine hours last year, and Ira, I didn't realize this until I looked afterwards, but you were the presenter of our of uh, of uh, Ronnie Barber, which which of course I didn't know. But you are the presenter for the tenth straight year. You presented somebody. You had Warren Sapp in two thousand thirteen, you had Derek Brooks in two thousand fourteen, you had John Lynch from two thousand fifteen to two thousand twenty one, and, and Dungy and Dungy and, and, and Tony Dungy. That's right. And Ronnie Barber last year and this year. I don't know how you do it because there's some guys. Sam Kavaris is one of them. He represents Jacksonville. He didn't present anyone for over 20 years. You've done it for 10 straight years. How do you do it? You know, Clark, here's the irony of the whole thing. My first six years, I started in 05. I took over for the late, great Tom McQuinn Clark, who you knew from Tampa. And uh, he nominated me and the board selected me in 05. And Clark, I, I went over to McEwen's office two weeks before the first meeting. I believe it was in Detroit that year. I said, Tom, any, any, uh, you got any advice for a first-time guy? Kaufman, keep your mouth shut. You're a rookie. <laughs> and, Clark, you know me. That's not easy. So, Clark, the first six years, 
the first six years, I didn't have a presentation. And then all of a sudden, Ed Sable started the ball rolling in 2011. Then I had a year off, and then here came Sap. And, and you know, what it is, Clark, is a reflection of, of that run that those Buck teams had uh, in the late 90s and early 2000s. And so th- those teams are being saluted right now. Uh, and we'll see if it continues, my friend, because Buck fans are on my case now about Simeon Rice. It never stops, Clark. It never stops. Yeah, well, I hope it does continue because, Ian, you're not in that room, but it certainly shouldn't come as a surprise to you when Sal Palantonio had to present Dick Vermeil. His first comment was, I am lucky and glad and relieved I'm not following Ira Kaufman because nobody can follow his presentation. It's that good. Shouldn't come as a surprise to you listening to him every week. It's the Brooklyn, Clark. You grow up in Brooklyn, you, you get the gift of gab. Or otherwise, you don't survive on the streets, Clark. You know that. <laughs> yeah. I didn't live in Brooklyn, but that's right. Do you have any advice for somebody else who's going to present someone for the next 10 years? Well, Clark, you and I talked about this, and I think it's worth mentioning. Um, and Ian, Ian uh, would get an insight into this. Clark, I'm just speaking for myself. But when I have a presentation to make, and there's been times I've had two, one year I had three, Clark, three. Uh, when I have a presentation, it, it really impacts my thinking going in about my comments about other presentations. You may not feel the same way. You've had your share of presentations. But, Clark, the years that I've had them, and it's been 10 years in a row, it's very inhibiting to me yeah. to uh, comment on a pro or con because I don't want to influence people in, in, in any direction in that regard. Well, I don't do it as frequently as you do, but I did Art McNally this year. I've done three, did Art McNally this year, but I do find I get nervous before I do them and I rehearse them over and over and over. And I would anticipate that you probably were like that at one point, but maybe after 10 straight years, you're not. Well, Clark, I I use a stopwatch uh, because, you know, they keep shortening the time. I think we started like with 10 minutes and now it's five. That's right. Ronde Barber played 16 years. Five minutes to sum up 16 years. Not easy. But I used a stopwatch, and I was the first guy to talk about a modern-day candidate. I kicked it off, I believe, after the uh, – might have been you. Um, no, it was uh, Vermeil. It was Vermeil with yeah, Sal. It was Vermeil. And um, so I came in right at five minutes, Clark. I wanted to set the tone in that room, and um, I think it moved pretty well. So our guest will talk about that later today. I think it did, too. Well, in contrast to Ira, and this was Hall of Fame President Jim Porter's first selectors meeting, and he joins us from Canton today for the second time in three months. And Jim, first of all, welcome back and congratulations on doing the near impossible. You kept the meeting almost an hour and a half shorter than it was in 2021. Well, first of all, thank you for inviting me on again. And I, and I got to tell you, you, you're the first interview I did uh, back in mid-October and uh I have been talking to folks quite a bit about uh, what that experience was like, and it was a pretty cool day for me, too. So thanks for inviting me back. Yeah, it's our pleasure. Before we get started, Jim, um, you might want to tell our listeners a a little bit about yourself, your background, and how you came to become president of the Pro Football Hall of Fame. You don't need to go into great detail, but maybe the Cliff Notes version. Sure, thanks. So I am a 33-year employee of the local newspapers. Uh, I ended up the last seven years as the CEO and publisher of the newspapers from Stark County, Canton, Canton, Ohio, um, my whole life. And, and quite honestly, just have a love for this community and a love for the Pro Football Hall of Fame. 
Uh, not sure if I mentioned last time I may have, but you know, for me, you know, I, the hall goes back to sit, me sitting on the wall uh, when the enshrinement was on the steps and kids, my age used to count down days till Christmas. I used to count down days till enshrinement. So it, it, it's just really been ingrained in me. And, you know, I was telling the story the other day and uh, Rich DeRosiers, our uh, uh, chief communications officer told me, he said, Hey, you got to tell Clark and Ira about this. So uh, my, uh, my mom was a travel agent um, back in the seventies and eighties. And she was one of the uh, ones who back, back in those days, the 15 finalists, you would make flights, uh, airline flights for all of them to go to Hawaii for, for the Pro Bowl. Uh, but then as soon as the class was about to be announced, she had to go and cancel the ones who uh, had, had to wait maybe another year or two. Um, so I was one of the first ones in the world that knew it back then, too. Uh, you know, and I, I'd, sit by, I'd sit by my mom's side just waiting for that phone call to come. So uh, it's a little surreal now uh, to be in the position that I'm in. So you were able to keep that secret even as a kid, right? Yeah, if you knew my mom, she's she's about five foot one, but 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 she acts a little bit more like David Baker's size. So uh, <laughs> so yes, I, I listened to her. Okay, as I mentioned, you just went through your first selectors meeting. As we said, it was a seven and a half hour virtual call for the second straight year, and that happened on Tuesday. I guess I'll ask you the obvious question. What was your impression of the meeting and what did you learn from it? You know, first of all, so this is Thursday, so we're almost 48 hours later and I'm still on uh, cloud nine. I mean, it was just an incredible honor, uh, you know, not, not just to not just to elect the class, but to see the, the 49 selectors and, and know that they are the best in the world at what they do. And I'm not saying that because I talked to you guys. You guys have gotten to a point where we honor we honor you guys and, and appreciate you guys for what you've done in your profession. And, and just seeing the faces on that screen was pretty incredible to me. At one point, I, I leaned over to Rich. I said, can you even imagine that we're sitting here doing this? And, you know, so, so it's an incredible honor. It was an incredible day. Uh, a lot of hard work. I, you know what, what I, I take away was the amount of passion um, that, that went, in, went, went into the discussions. Very professional, but informative. And, and, and you know, you guys love what you do. And, and, it's, and it was very obvious that day. Jim, that seven-hour meeting, you got me out in time for the early bird special at the <laughs> Italian restaurant, Jim. Uh, Jim, did you go in with a time in mind? You know, usually we, we would start about 7.30 in the morning, but now, you know, with the Zoom call and the West Coast, uh, we started later. So, Jim, did you, did you think it would go about 7? Did it match your expectations? So you may be giving me a little bit too, too much credit to think that I uh... – had the insight to think about how long this was going to go because I, I actually didn't. Um, I, I was aware of the nine hour one uh, and I wanted, I wanted to be uh, to move it along as quick as we can. But of course we don't want to rush that either. Right. I mean, it's such an important thing, but I didn't feel like we rushed it. And I feel like it was ended up being the right amount of time. And uh, I'm pretty proud of the work everybody did. Jim, you feel we lose anything at, at all. Um, with the Zoom call, uh, it was the practical way to do it without question, the safe way to do it. Um, going forward, uh, is it your preference to go back to doing it in person? You think we lose anything doing it the way we did? So first of all, I made a promise to you guys that I wouldn't make decisions like that without input from all of you guys. So I'll ask you guys that question here in about a month. Uh, but, but my own two cents on that is I like to be in the room. I like to read the room. Uh, you know, there's too many times where you uh, 
hit hit your camera and go off camera and, and people are in face fresh whatever and for for me i i prefer the uh the in person yeah i think ira and i do too i understand sort of the the ec economic aspects of it too of, of flying people to uh, remote locations but i i thought that worked so well and you're right when you look around the room and you see the faces, um, there's a different feel. I mean, like with anything, and I'm sure you're involved in tons of board meetings, but there's just a different feel when it's in person. Well, you, you know, I believe that too. And and, and I'll tell you, and, and I know that you didn't mean this this way, but I, I just want to, it, it's not an economic decision for me. I am more than happy to to make sure that we get this process right at whatever cost it is. We we have to run the, the hall as a business, but we sure as heck have to do the process of selecting the right class the right way. We're speaking with Pro Football Hall of Fame President Jim Porter on the iTest for Two. And Jim, I want to mention something to our listeners. We've had Joe Horgan on here before, but you have Joe Horgan, who's the former executive director of the Hall, back with the Pro Football Hall of Fame as a senior advisor. Joe retired two and a half years ago um, as the executive director. And <laughs> somebody asked me the other day, He's back. And I said, yeah. And they go, does that mean that we have to give him, he has to give our present back to us? We gave him a going away present. And I said, <laughs> you're going to have to submit that to the 48 other voters. But I don't know about that. But anyway, I just would ask you about the decision to, to bring Joe back. How did that go down? And, and what are his responsibilities as a senior advisor? You know, one one thing that I was taught years ago by some members is uh, if you're not the smartest person in the room, find find uh, other people around you that are smarter than you. And that's what I did with Joe. I mean, that, literally, I made two big changes, one internally here and then and then the call to Joe um, that, you know, I, I, I hope that a day would be decades away. But I always thought the coroner was taking Joe out of the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Nobody else or nothing else. Right. So I was surprised when he left uh, two and a half years ago. And I'm honored that he decided to come back and, uh, and help us. Um, having said that, you know, he's just a wealth of knowledge. Yep. Um, and, you know, uh, I turned to him. Uh, you know, I'll be honest. You, you know, we talked, we, we had a little gl uh, glitch in the uh, process the other day and we stopped to talk about it. When we went offline, I turned, I turned to the left. I talked to Rich DeRosier and Joe Horrigan and said, hey, let's get this right. So, you know, I, 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 uh, I respect Joe that much, and I think he's just going to be a, an incredible addition to us again. Two more for me, Jim. Thanks for taking your time. I know you, you got a lot on your agenda. Uh, Jim, I know we're not going to know where we stand with the pandemic necessarily uh, in, in the summer, uh, but I know you. You're, you're always thinking ahead. Um, what are some of your thoughts about the 2022 uh, induction ceremonies? I assume it'll be in August. I assume it'll be in Canton. Um, what's your feelings about what it's going to look like? So I'm going to, you know, I'll, I'll talk to you about the entire weekend for a second, and then, and then I'll circle back for you. The um, the game is the number one part of our mission statement. And I want to make sure that every returning Hall of Famer, as well as the new class, feel very honored at everything that we do. And so I'm really working, you know, we've been working on this for a couple of months now of, of getting the schedule to a, to a point where the Hall of Famers actually have time to spend time with each other uh, and build that brotherhood. You know, some of the younger guys might not know some of the older uh, and then vice versa. Um, of course, they all know each other by reputation. Um, so so trying to help the families and, and the Hall of Famers get some time together w w without the spotlight of uh, what what 
with the Sony brain. That's a big focus for me, to be honest. Uh, there may be some changes, and I, I'm gonna I'm gonna make you guys a deal now because I appreciate you too so much. If the, if the changes happen that I think are going to happen, I'll give you guys a holler so that you guys can uh, can put it out there first. Well, Thanks, Jim. Thank you. Um, thank you. Last one for me, Jim, and and I think uh, this one you'll take to heart, uh, Jim. Since you've been named to this position, uh, I know for a fact that you've had interaction um, with Hall of Famers. Guys with gold jackets. And I want to know, generally speaking, Jim, what has that been like for Jim Porter to talk to guys that he watched play uh, in, in the 1970s and, and 60s? And uh, just uh, how emotional has that been for you? You know, so it's very surreal. Emotional is one word, surreal is another. Uh, you know, about a week after I talked to you guys the first time, I'm driving down the road. It was a Friday night. Um, and my phone rings. I don't recognize the number, but I hadn't recognized a lot of the numbers of the past week. So I thought I better answer it. And uh, I hear, you know, the voice, the deep voice and Jim. Yes. Uh, Coach Madden. I'm like, oh, wow. I'm like, wow. are you kidding me? You know, and and, you know, when, when Coach Madden passed, I uh, it, was, it was a very sad day for me. Um, and, and we've had we've had uh, five Hall of Famers pass since uh, I've taken over this role. And every one of those days is tough. But I, I was able to to get three three total phone calls in with with uh, Coach Madden. He gave me some incredible advice. We've made some changes that I wish he'd actually were, were able to see because they they came from him and, and suggestions and ideas from him. Uh, but but overall, you know, Franco Harris sitting in my office one day, and I'm like, are you, are you kidding me? You know, so it, it's been cool. You know, uh, yesterday Dan Fouts and Steve Young were on a Zoom call with me. And I'm just sitting there saying, my gosh, I'm on a call with Dan Fouts and, and Steve Young. So so for me, you know, it's it's just really, truly been uh, an incredible uh, three months. But you know what I found out? We're all just pretty normal guys. And, and, and the other thing that I really have noticed is the guys who have been able to make a little bit more money through this game or through the process really are watching out for the guys that didn't have that same opportunity because they played you know 50 60 and 70s or so and, and and i'm asked about it all the time what are you doing for those guys what what can we do for those sports appreciate the heck out of that jim you mentioned with on matt and getting some pieces of advice from him what was the best piece of advice he gave you you know i i well first of all the reason that he called he said to me he said I don't care how many more great decisions you make. You've already made the best one that you're going to make as president by bringing Joe Horrigan back. <laughs> that was the intent of the first call, to be honest with you. Uh, <laughs> he was right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, but, but, but a second call, uh, he had been talking to the hall over a period of time of making sure that our video archives are, are up to speed and that every, every hall of famer has a, has a video uh, prepared and while we have written stories and things like that, uh, we we haven't done that. And uh, I had just hired uh, a young lady out of uh, I believe she went to Kent State um, to do some uh, audio um, uh, and video work for us. And so I put her on that project. And she was just in my office yesterday. She has sixteen done. You know, there's three hundred fifty four to do, so she's got a ways to go. But she she said this is the highlight of her life too. Uh, and she's having so much fun putting these things together. So, uh, 
So uh, he asked, he asked or suggested, and, and we moved right away, and it's and it's happening. Oh, terrific! Oh, as we uh, said, the class of twenty twenty two will be announced in three weeks, and that's going to be on Thursday, February tenth, uh, which is it uh, seems like a long ways away. And 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 I I would guess a um, couple of questions. Uh, first of all, it's, and it's come up before. Why the vote so early when it's three weeks away? You know, why is the vote, and I'm talking about the selectors, so early? And secondly, how concerned are you that there may be a leak for the Alana show on February 10th? Okay, so we'll take we'll take the uh, the first one. Um, you know, uh, when David Baker was here, he started the McConnell, and that has that has uh, progressed in different ways uh, every year. It changes a little bit. It has caused major changes, so a lot of a lot of planning on how we can uh, make that moment so special for the Hall of Famers. So we need that little bit of time built in um, uh, to, to make the plannings uh, plan. So that's that's the reason for the earlier um, three weeks is a long time. You know, I, you you can sit in a meeting and somebody say something to one person, and you know how the game goes. You go next person, next person, next person. By the time you get to the fifth person, the story's changed and it's out there. Um, so, so I worry, I, I do worry about that, but we had a nice conversation uh, with the selectors. I have trust that they're, they're going to hold up their word, but, but it's not just not electors. It, it, you know, if there is a little bit of a, uh, somebody gets out there, there's, there's other people that have to know for us to be able to do what we need to do for the surprises. So, uh, so uh, faith in everybody and fingers crossed. Well, you know, it's funny. I was reminded by of this by my wife. She's George, who is a Hall of Famer. She used to work with George in the NFL office. He'd say, when you tell one person, that's one. And I'm holding up one first, one finger. When you tell two people, that's 11. He'd hold up two. <laughs> I thought, he's absolutely right. He's absolutely right. Um, hey, I, I, anyway, I, oh, go I, ahead. I, I'm sorry. I was just saying, I could have used that on Tuesday if you if you me that line <laughs> yeah. earlier. I told you. Um, you mentioned the knock. Um, and I was told by a Hall of Famer in the last week, actually, um, that one idea is, is to have the knock kept, but with a Hall of Famer from that particular inductees team knocking on the door and not, not the president. So it would be you and it certainly wouldn't be um, David Baker. But uh, A, is that accurate? And, and, and B, what happens if, let's say, uh, Tony Baselli or Andre Johnson, and they're both two finalists from the class of 2022 what if uh either one of those two guys is inducted because there's no hall of famer from jacksonville and there's no hall of famer from houston so i i would answer that by saying that it doesn't necessarily have wouldn't necessarily have to have the same connection you know last year uh if roger stahlbach had, had knocked on drew pearson's door that would have been pretty cool because of the connection that they have. Right. But there's but there's also other connections that that folks have throughout the league, either, either having competed against each other or somebody that was that played the same position or was a mentor towards or whatever the case may be. But I, I will tell you this without totally ruining the surprise. I really like the idea of Hall of Famers welcoming welcoming Hall of Famers. Yeah, I, I don't like it, Jim. I love it. I think it's a great idea. I think it's a Thank great you. idea. Uh, last thing, last thing for you. What's your greatest challenge going forward? Wow. Um, you know, I don't I don't want to call it a challenge um, a, as much as a mission. Um, we we want to get the focus on the Pro Football Hall of Famers and the new class at all times. 
And I want to do exactly what we say, honor the heroes of the game. And, and I ask our team here at the hall, when they come to me wanting to spend money or start a new program or whatever it is, they, after three months, they're used to this question. But the first question is, how does it honor the heroes of the game? And if, uh, if they can answer that in a, in a positive way, then we move forward with it. If, if it doesn't really pertain to that, I ask them to go back to the drawing board and figure out how that, that, that can fit into our mission. And it's been really well accepted here, um, but, but we, we have a little bit of work to go to make sure that every move that we make is, is towards our mission. Jim Porter, I know I speak for Ira, and I know I speak for the voters I've heard from. Thank you so much for listening to us and keep on doing what you're doing because it is welcome. Well, you know, I, I appreciate that very much, but really the thank you goes the other way. We can't do this process without the, the 49 selectors and uh, we want them to know that they're appreciated and that we want to hear from them. I'm really looking forward, you know, of course I'm looking forward to the class announcement and the Super Bowl, but I'm really looking forward to that meeting. We're not going to have it at seven and a half hours, but I'll bet you we could have it at seven and a half hours. <laughs> <laughs> well, if, if you do, would you send the lunches out this time? Well, I didn't. <laughs> I did promise that, but I can tell you that uh, Chris Schilling looked at me like, how the heck are you going to do that? So, yeah. uh, uh, but no, I'm looking forward to that meeting with all the selectors. And, uh, you know, uh, we talked about seniors last time. Yeah. Uh, now you've really piqued my interest. I've done some, I've done some work on that. Uh, I'm in line with where you are and let's see how we can get this right. Look Jim, you, to mentioned, it, Jim. Uh, you mentioned Chris Schilling, Jim. She, she's a treasure. She's a oh. treasure. You, you, you know what we talked about, uh, uh, Joe Horrigan, I can tell you now, if, if, if Chris had decided to retire two and a half years ago, she'd have been a third call I made uh, right, right after <laughs> Joe. So, no, she's great. Hey, Ian, would you do us a favor and line up Chris Schilling for next week's show? <laughs> <laughs> Jim, thanks so much. Really appreciate thanks, it. Thanks Jim. for spending time oh, with us. Absolutely, guys. Thank you so much. And I appreciate you uh, being willing to talk to me. You got it. Take care. Right. Take care. That was Hall of Fame President Jim Porter. And Ira, I got to tell you. I, I love spending time with him. I love the message we get from him. And you really feel as if you matter. I mean, I'm talking about all 49 selectors, all 49 selectors in that room, because you know what transpired on Tuesday. And there were some issues that came up. And he said, you know what? If you want to do this, I'm willing to, to, to try it. And, and um, he's just flexible and I think responsible and uh, interested in just doing the right thing. And that's, it's uh, great to hear. You know, Clark, he's only been on the job three months, but he has not hit a false note. In three no, months. that's right. That's not right. One. Not yeah. one. And then also, Ira, he mentioned a podcast twice on Tuesday. That was our podcast, Ian. <laughs> that's, he's giving us a plug in that meeting. Right. Um, Ira, your impressions of the meeting. I didn't really ask your overall impressions of me. What, what was the hardest part for you? Uh, I, I thought it was an exceptional meeting, uh, especially considering that it was a Zoom call meeting. The discussions were on point, right yeah. on point. Uh, it never got personal, as, as it can be in that room. Um, everybody did their homework. Um, some presentations are bombastic, uh, like mine, uh, Clark. Um, some are understated, but they're all effective in, in their own way. And somebody said this was one of the toughest years to pick five out of 15. I, I felt that way, Clark, uh, even though there was no Peyton Mannings uh, in there, you know, no automatics. Yep. This, this was a very tough class to whittle down for me. Well, as I mentioned earlier, you had to present Rondi Barber and, and you did present Rondi Barber for the second time. And you did John Lynch, I think, eight times. 
Yes. What's the hardest part of doing do-overs? You have to come back the next year and present a candidate who didn't make it the year before. What's the hardest part of that? The first thing you got to do is dig out your, your presentation from the previous year and, and throw it in the wastebasket. First, note what you said. Quote different people, if you're going to quote people. Don't come back with the same angle. And as our buddy Rick Goslin, who might be the conscience of the hall in his own way, Clark, you got to have a hook, and it better be a fresh one. So my hook for Rondé Barber, and you heard it, he's a historic player. And I don't think you can say that about all 15. He's historical. And then you got to back it up. So the key, Clark, in coming back for a second year, fifth year, eighth year, change your presentation. Give them something else to think about. So are we looking forward What's your hook for the class of 2023? I look at that class. We've got Joe Thomas, Dwight Freeney, Darrell Rivas, James Harrison, Shane Leckler, Chris Johnson, and Elmas Dumerville among the first-year eligibles. That's going to be a tough list to whittle down. Clark, uh, two names stand out. Uh, they to- In fact, they tower for me uh, above the rest. Joe Thomas. And I used to call him Daryl when he was with the Bucks. No, it's Darrell, Darrell Rivas. And Clark, to be honest with you, first impression, you know, we haven't heard any presentations. First impression. I'd be shocked if Joe Thomas isn't wearing a gold jacket next year. And I'll tell you why. He never missed a game his first 10 years. He never played in a playoff game. Never. Let's not hold that against Joe Thomas. Uh, Played for six different coaches. Clark, first team, first team All-Pro, six times, six. Forget about the Pro Bowls. First team, best left tackle of his era, and I'd be shocked if Joe Thomas doesn't get it. Sounds like you just presented him, Ira. (laughs) Now, Revis is going to be interesting. We'll see if Barber's in the room next year, but uh, he's got got an island named after him, Clark. That's tough tough to combat that. I've been there. You can't get on it. You can't get on that island. <laughs> hey, Ira, get any final thoughts? Final thoughts. I, 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 can't, I can't wait for Sunday. I mean, this is the best weekend of the NFL calendar. I, I think the Sunday games are great. You think the Niner-Green Bay game is going to be great? I don't, Clark. I don't agree. Um, I think the 49er Express ends in Chile Lambeau, where it's going to be about 17 degrees. I don't see uh, I don't see Rodgers losing a first round game when he's had an extra week to prepare. Uh, Cincy, Tennessee, to me, doesn't have a lot of juice. Not not uh, not a, a north a orthodox n- amount, but Bucks, Rams, Clark, Chiefs, Bills. Those are two fantastic matchups. Ouch, Ian! I think we just lost our San Francisco and Bay Area listeners. Um, the thing I want to mention, and unfortunately, it's it's the same theme that I, I come across. Uh, all, far too frequently, but um, it's the death of another player. Two weeks ago, um, we lost offensive lineman Ralph Neely, and, and you certainly know of him, Myra. I don't know that Ian's heard of him, but uh, he died at the age of 78, and he could be and maybe should be a pro football Hall of Famer, a four-time All-Pro and a member of the 1960s All-Decade team and a, a two-time Super Bowl champ. So anyway, he checked all the boxes, but uh, he was never a Hall of Fame candidate, never been one, and in today's age, he probably would be, um, but that is just part of the depth of the senior pool that Jim Porter was talking about, Ira, that you're certainly aware of Ralph Neely's in that pool. And you go, wow, how is he not in the pro football hall of fame? (laughs) 
Well, he's never been discussed. And that's something that I hope we address um, after the Super Bowl when we have that conference call with Jim. Anyway, that's going to do it. Um, Iron Ian, good luck with that game this weekend, Bucks game. Uh, you got a prediction, Ian? I never bet against Tom Brady. So um, as, as much as they've struggled against them, uh, the Rams the last couple uh, years, Tom has been able to get some work done, 432 yards passing this year, uh, just under 400 last year. So I think as long as they can keep Matt Stafford in that offense in check, I think they'll be all right. So, But it's nerve-wracking, I know. It's it, it's fun, though. I think it's it's a bad you got a prediction? Clark, I, I think it's a bad matchup for the home team. They they would have much rather have played Arizona. I think Ian would agree with me on that. Yeah, uh, They'd be prohibitive favorites, and I don't think we'd even be talking about who's going to win the game. I, I, I got to lean towards the visitors. They're, they're healthier. I don't know what's going on with Tristan Wirfs. I don't know what's going on with Fournette, especially Wirfs, Clark. When you got Von Miller, Aaron Donald, and Leonard Floyd's not a stumble bump either. Uh, and, and if you're going to be missing your old pro right tackle, that's an issue. That's an issue. Wow. wow. Uh, <laughs> the sage of Tampa saying that. You know, I think we lost some. 813 listeners too. Wow. Anyway. No, there's nobody left, Clark. There's nobody, <laughs> nobody left. left. That's right. Well, I've got a prediction, guys. I've got a prediction. Uh, we'll be back next week with the test for two podcasts. And I like my chances. We'll see you then. Thanks for listening.